0: a very good day to all of you out there listening this is the friendship news hour presented to you by bummer dude media today is december the 20th
1: 2022 his name is alex my name is frank what's up dude are you ready for christmas man i am fire drilling over here to get all my gifts uh together in time man i, I always do it every year you know yep. dude had of time, blah, blah, blah. and then it gets here i'm like fuck i got so much shit to do so i think i did pretty well amazon saved my ass last week and i'm looking at a big pile gifts here that need to be wrapped but nice I'm, I'm ready it sounds like we're gonna get a lot of snow there's there's a storm that's gonna hit the midwest and they're saying like upwards of like 12 to 16 inches in some some parts magical yeah so it's actually gonna be cool to have a white christmas for once as long as it doesn't fuck with us travel wise, would be great but how about you you guys ready i suppose i don't know does it feel like christmas been... there like when it's like 80 degrees every day like do you do, did you feel like christmas was different in the midwest when you have like that coldness to it or anything or growing up your life does it not even matter
0: well really alex christmas is in the heart and so <laughs> I, I i think you can find christmas anywhere sure uh, yeah. it's i always i always longed for that um m- like movie style christmas right like growing mm. up watching like Home Alone or whatever, and seeing snow and everyone bundled up and all that. I guess I thought I was missing out on something. I only did spend one actual Christmas in the Midwest. Um, I you know I'd always come home for Christmas. I don't know that it felt any different because you, you like the lead up to Christmas is all good, and then Christmas is over, and it's like, okay, now it's three months of just pure hell it wasn't worth it for this one haul. I guess this year it I don't know every year is different, man. every year's different. I thought I would feel a little bit more excited for Christmas because of the newborn, but I don't yeah <laughs> Christmas is is still feels like a chore and you know he doesn't really know you know one way from up so to him this is just another day uh, so he doesn't really appreciate it and yeah. Not to sound like Scrooge McDuck over here but
1: say, man, got
0: the I grinch you up know in this it's like every year is different. <laughs> I, I don't know as you are know maybe maybe I'm not the only one that feels this way but like as an adult I feel like Christmas is hit and miss every year. Sometimes I'm just like really in the spirit And sometimes I'm just like, I could
1: give a shit less. And, uh, this year
0: feels like the latter.
1: I I totally, I agree. Yeah. I was just talking to my sister Jasmine about this. Like it feels as I get older and older too, like, it's just not as it has lost the shine and it's just more like, okay, God, I got to buy all these gifts. We got to go to all these places. It is, it's like a chore almost, which sucks to say, like, it's, it's awesome that I'm going to get to be with my family. Like I'm not complaining there at all. This will actually be like the first Christmas. Uh, we always go to my grandma's Christmas Eve, my mom's mom. And, uh. This will be like mm-hmm. the first Christmas that all the grandkids are together there in a long time. So like I'm, I'm excited for that and, and all That's that, dope. but it's just, it's just, I'm I'm not a great gift buyer. I fucking hate wrapping gifts. That's honestly yeah. the worst part of Christmas to me is wrapping gifts. So I've developed an approach where I just put most things into grocery bags uh, or the boxes <laughs> they came in and just give it to them that way. Um, this is how much
0: my, I care about you. <laughs> yeah, it makes my life a lot easier. There. Christmas brought to you by Trader Joe's.
1: <laughs> we started a new rule too in our household that you no longer buy cards for people because I think it's the biggest waste of money ever. Mm. Um, you got to make the card. Oh, then okay. It costs nothing, yeah, there you go. You know what I mean. And it takes a little Absolutely. more. Absolutely, put
0: some skin in the card game.
1: Oh, yeah. So we got that going on. But I'm excited. I do have some good gifts to give this year. I'm excited about a couple of things that I've I found. Is there anything you uh, nice. really want for Christmas? No, dude.
0: I don't. I don't. I I got I got everything I need. I don't, I don't want, there's a couple kitchen items that I asked for that I expect to get. (laughs) If you're listening, I expect these gifts. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But, but uh, no, honestly, dude, I don't, we took a trip to Hawaii last week and that was kind of our Christmas gift to each other. Yeah. And we've been doing that for the past. This will be like the third year run-in of that tradition. Um. So it's really cool. I, I appreciate that more than anything, m- mainly because I'm like you, I don't buy, I'm not a good gift buyer. Mm. And, um and so like the thought of buying a, a singular gift for a significant other provides me so much anxiety <laughs> that. That it's so much easier to just say, yeah, we'll go on a trip and that's our gift. And then you know, I'm not like looking for something and wondering if I did it right
1: or wrong. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the way to do it though, man. Like you guys are, that's a memory. You're, you're buying the memory there and the experience together instead of like a potential knickknack that maybe is cute for a year or something, but then ends up in a box or in the attic or right. whatever the yeah, fuck. And exactly. the one thing I asked for, I need a new golf bag. I haven't had a new golf bag since my sophomore, junior year of high school. So I've been rocking with with my Tommy armor for quite a while. So I I did ask for a, a Titleist golf bag, and lo and behold, two days later I came home and there was about a four foot Titleist box on my f- front porch. So <laughs> I, I don't know, hmm. I don't know for sure. I don't want to speculate, but there's a good, ch- it's looking good. It's a good chance.
0: Yeah, that's a good sign. I saw a, I saw a reel the other day of, of this dad walking home with his two daughters and the ring camera catches him going close your eyes close your eyes and there's like a big i don't know what it was it was like a pink box with it, it might have been like a like a play set or like something uh-huh. and he rushes him into the house he goes you didn't see that and i was like oh man how how christmas has changed i remember being a kid did you ever find your mom's spot oh where yeah she, where oh, she yeah. hit stuff Mm -hmm. I never did find it. Oh, really? I I found one of my Christmas presents on accident because she was like lazily hiding it. And I was chasing a cat around the house and I looked under Mm. the bed and I saw it. Uh, But I never did find a spot. And she goes, when you have kids, I'll tell you where I hid it so that you know. Uh, I got (laughs) to think it might have been like the crawl space under our
1: house or maybe there was a spot Uh, in the attic. I don't know on mm-hmm. her own but um that's awesome well so how was hawaii you you, you went there you ran a marathon and and vacation with the fam how, how'd that all go
0: yeah dude it was awesome it was great the only drawback to hawaii is that it's crazy expensive oh yeah but other than that dude it was so cool so we didn't do very much on the island because we had the baby so i think the most that we did was we'd like drove we had a rental car and we just drove around an island like the main one is that honolulu i'm, I'm sorry i don't know my islands oahu yeah oahu. we stayed in, in honolulu and then we drove up to the north shore and then back around the, the, the island through like kind of through the middle of it in like the jungle area and then back down um but it was great because, you know, we couldn't go snorkeling. We couldn't go surfing, you know, unless it was one of us doing it and the other one was watching the kid. So all we did was like, relax. Mm, We had a drink in our hands almost at all times. And if we weren't in like a bar, we were at the pool chilling. The baby was great. Yeah. It was, it was honestly the best trip because we just relaxed.
1: We didn't do anything. Nice. And how did, how did your running go?
0: Yeah, it was fun. It was good. Um, it was, it was a good run. I was, I was like, uh, I was pleased with the results. I could have been a little faster. I, I, I cramped up right around 18, 19. And um, so I had to, like, stop and kind of, like, massage out the, the thighs a little bit and mm. get all the lactic acid out. So it kind of slowed me down a little bit. Other than that, though, it was a good run, but very disappointing in its beauty. Really? Um, not a beautiful run. Yeah. It was, oh. it was uh, all along the ocean, but it was houses on either side of you. So you couldn't see the I saw the ocean maybe like three times. Ah, oh, damn. Yeah, I know. It was pretty whack, dude. It, 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 it's a hyped up marathon. A lot of people come to it. There were twenty eight thousand people that signed up and eight thousand of them were Japanese nationals. Oh. Um, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. A lot of Japanese people there and those people are funny, dude. I saw a guy, I saw a guy, he was one of the, he was one of the faster ones because he was coming on the other, the other end. He was a very skinny Japanese man wearing a full mini mouse costume <laughs> and just
1: booking <laughs> it, just booking it, dude, just going as hard as he could. Oh, it was, it was man. great. How is the, the climate in Hawaii? Like, is it, is it humid? Is it? Tremendous. It's, yeah. It wasn't
0: humid when we were there. It was low of 70 every night and high of 80 every day. Wow. A little Damn. windy, but beautiful. Yeah, gorgeous, Man. awesome weather. I it was like being in San Diego, except San Diego does drop down. I mean, the, you know, it uh, it gets like
1: high forties here at night, so it it does not get that cold in Hawaii. Hmm. It was great, interesting, and like, did you feel like when I guess when you're walking around the island, like kind of close to the beach or whatever, like does it kind of feel like a Pacific Ocean beach kind of like vibe from like where you're yeah. where you are? It reminded or? me of San Diego. Yeah, big time. Okay.
0: It's very similar to San Diego. I Yeah, I, I saw almost no differences. Uh, a little bit more palm trees. And then, like, obviously, like, the island, as you go inland, it's it's way more jungle-like because yeah. it rains a shit ton. And that was another thing. Like it, it, it was like, it was like Florida in that you, you would just be chilling, sun is out, and then all of a sudden you feel rain. And yeah. you don't know where, really where it's coming from. It's just kind of falling real quick, and then, and then, it's and gone. then it goes. So that, that was the only thing. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess I could recommend Hawaii, but I wouldn't put it, like, number one on your list. Okay. The food? Was the food good? It's got to have a lot of Asian flair, I The food I guess. was tremendous, dude. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, the food was really good. We got, like, uh, the, the North Shore. They're known for their garlic shrimp. Mm. So we got, like, this garlic shrimp plate with short ribs from a food mm. truck on the North Shore of Oahu, and it was just phenomenal. Oh, my God. Like, I can't, very Asian-inspired,
1: right? Their cuisine? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, but but like yeah, but like Paul, like like Islander, you know, like grilled short ribs and the garlic shrimp and rice and mac salad. Yeah, very Islander and dude. So we got pokey one night and then we went back at ten o'clock in the morning when it opened the next day and got in line and got it for breakfast. It was that good, <laughs> and
2: then we had it for dinner.
0: That dude, it was unbelievably good, Damn. like unbelievably good. I don't know what it was. Uh, maybe it's just like the people who were preparing it had so much experience with it. Dude, it was phenomenal. I, I, it must it,
1: be, because I can't imagine a scenario where breakfast pokey sounds good to me. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude, it was a no-brainer. As soon as we finished it, it was either do we go back and get more or do we wait in the morning and get
0: it again? It was that good. That's awesome, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, it was dope. Oh. It
1: was cool. Well, you didn't miss too much here. It's just been, at least in the Midwest, starting to snow. It's cold as shit. We're hiding in our homes. The season has begun. Gotta love mm. it. <laughs> yes, I I don't miss that, bro. Like I I have trouble,
0: you know, just with a little cold here, and I'm and I'm wanting to like stuff my face full of pot pies and stews, yeah. and you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. That winter that winter coat, man. That 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 shit is real. The weight that you gain when you're when you're when you have nowhere to go and it's cold as balls outside—that was the worst part of it for me.
1: It's funny to me because I feel like I I'm the most dedicated to the gym in the winter. I feel like I get into my best shape going into spring, and then over the summer I'm fucking off so much partying, vacationing, doing other shit is when I actually gain weight, which is weird to me. But I feel like when I have all the extra time in the winter here in the Midwest, it's like let's go to the gym, let's go play tennis, let's find something to do because I don't want to just sit here. So to me, I've I, I, it's like foot for me for some weird reason. But it's always nice Well, Well What's you your are, so. secret, man? Stop holding out. Man, motivation in the winter, I guess, and a huge lack of it in the summer. <laughs> hmm. That's all I can attest to. I don't know. Interesting. <sighs> I don't know. Have you ever experienced like really bad turbulence? Mm, not to the point where I thought I was like going to die or like be injured, but to the point where I like kind of got jostled like in a, in a scarily way, I guess. But yeah, nothing serious. Yeah. I was flying into New Jersey once, and it was in a it was
0: in a storm. And as we were landing, I, I was like, I was convinced that that was it, that I was dying. Really? Yeah, it was really scary, man. Like the whole plane, just like it felt like it was like like somebody was playing with like a toy plane, just shaking it. Was it was really it was really scary. But but we landed, everything was fine, nobody got hurt. Maybe three days after we got back from Honolulu, we read the story that uh, eleven people were hospitalized upon arrival to Honolulu from Phoenix due to severe turbulence. Holy shit. And they were hospitalized with like head injuries and and, and things like that.
1: Could you imagine like how bad the turbulence has to be? That people get hospitalized from their injuries? Yeah. I mean, maybe they're not wearing their seatbelts and get tossed. I don't, maybe that's what happened. But I just read a story kind of similar, like in in the same vein. It said that uh, a woman from Washington got killed in a shark attack while she was snorkeling right off Honolulu. So Real. it's a good thing you guys were just relaxing and not in the water. Yeah. yeah. So shit, she's no like kidding. a sixty-year-old woman. She went missing, and they they finally determined it was a shark attack. She found a body. Damn. What do you do? What do you do if you're snorkeling and you look up and there's just a big fucking shark bro. coming at you? Oh my dude! I saw this video from Shark Week. Some guy that was like filming for them in like this plastic box, and it's supposed to be like this polycarbonate some bullshit where it's like super strong. This great white just comes and just chomps right through it. Dude didn't die oh, somehow. Yeah. No. But it just looked like butter, bro. They're, those things are so powerful. Like, I'm not fucking around with that at all. <laughs> yeah, let me take my chances with a sea monster.
0: This thing is built like a fucking bull.
1: <laughs> right. That'd be like, put a shark on land and see how they do. I think we'd probably win pretty easily. But when they're in their element, yeah. no way. No way. That's, I don't fuck with the ocean, bro. Like, I'm scared of sharks and I'm scared of, like, I don't want to fuck with no jellyfish. Like, put me in lakes. I like lakes. I don't, I'm not an ocean lakes. fan. Agreed. The beach <laughs> is overrated. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. I'll say that get for hot. sure. <laughs> I
0: say that because I I have unlimited access to it. I was at the true golfing on the beach yesterday, and here I am ah. saying it's overrated. Hey, what do you know about
1: the origins of Christmas? Little to none, other than I remember when I was a kid, like there was Saint Nicholas Day, and you put the shoe out, and he put food, candy, or money, or some shit into it. That's really all I all I really know, though. Yeah. Well, I didn't know much about it either. And I figured
0: it's something worth knowing since we kill ourselves every year. Um, <laughs> and just to see, like, kind of how far we've come from what it was way back in the day. So, for obviously, for 2,000 years or so, Christians have been celebrating Christmas as the birthday of Jesus. But, like, well before then, there were uh, celebrations, mainly in Europe, that celebrated the winter solstice which is the darkest day of winter and then the, the celebration would be towards the new year and then the welcoming back of the sun, right? Like, Especially in like your really like northern hemisphere type areas where it does get crazy, crazy dark for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. And then the sun starts to come back. And then in Scandinavia, there was a Norse celebration from December 21st through January, and it was called Yule. And this is where fathers and sons would bring home large logs and they would set on fire and the people would feast until the log burned out, which could take up, up to like 12 days. And then in Rome, uh, where winters were not quite as harsh as those in Scandinavia, there was a uh, pagan holiday to honor Saturn, the god of agriculture, and it was a week-long celebration for winter solstice. Then we get into like modern-day Christianity-inspired Christmas, and it was pretty. I mean, I, you probably know this, but like the the, the time of when we celebrate. Jesus's birth has absolutely nothing to do with when Jesus was born. Um, Uh Jesus was most likely born sometime in like June or July. There's no date given in the Bible as to when Jesus was born. Pope Julius I chose December 25th, and it's believed that he chose that date to absorb the pagan traditions that were going on at the time, the ones we just talked about, Winter Solstice and whatnot. So he chose December 25th as the Feast of the Nativity. This started in like, 400-ish A.D., and then and then it took hold, and, and it was celebrated pretty much every year since then, until the 17th century, when Christmas was actually canceled. Somebody actually canceled Christmas. There was a, a wave of religious reform in the 17th century, and Oliver Cromwell and his period forces took over England in 1645, vowed to rid England of their decadence, and as part of their effort, cancel Christmas. So Orthodox Christians, like the like the most hardcore Christians, actually canceled Christmas because of its decadence. Uh, it wasn't until a few years later that Charles II restored Christmas when he took the throne. And then we get to America and the Pilgrims in 1620. They were even more hardcore than this guy Oliver Cromwell, and Christmas was not a holiday in early America at all. It was outlawed in Boston. From 1659 to 1681, anyone exhibiting the Christmas spirit was fined to five shillings. And then after the American Revolution, as more English customs started to go away, Christmas started to come back. But it, it hasn't been a federal holiday in America. It, it didn't start until 1870. Hmm, wow. And then it wasn't until the 19th century that Americans actually began to embrace Christmas. It's said that Americans were responsible in large part for reinventing Christmas, because it used to be just like a big carnival holiday. I guess like a Oktoberfest or a Halloween or something like that. And then they reinvented it as this family centered day of peace and nostalgia. And yeah. And that's so the, the Christmas that we know and like and enjoy and love started basically in
1: 1830. That's insane. We've had the end of slavery before we had Christmas in America as the federal holiday. Yeah. That's wild. Isn't that the Civil War ended in 63, 64. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. That's that is crazy. Like, one thing I wish we would have just got rid of or never had is fucking Christmas music, man. I cannot stand Christmas music. <laughs> it's the worst. And people will be trying to play that shit in like early October. I'm like, no, bro. We still got Halloween. We still like to me, Christmas music should be banned before Thanksgiving. That's that's a crime to have it before then. But a lot of radio I stations, like you. I think November 1st start playing that shit, which is just unbelievable.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with it. It is it is it is rather annoying and played out. And that's, uh, you know, it just doesn't, it doesn't like uh, contribute to any sort of r- real positivity around Christmas time. It's all just kind of repetition. It's just like, ah, oh, like blow my brains out, dude. Mm-hmm. And it's same songs about the same shit. Speaking of U.S. history and its very short lifespan so far, all of U.S. history, modern U.S. history, has taken place within one singular orbit of Pluto around the sun. Damn. Oh, shit. Isn't that wild? That is wild. Wow. So 19, or excuse me, 1782 was the last time that Pluto made like a full circle around the sun. American independence was 1776, and then the Civil War was 1865. Discovery of Pluto was 1930. And then in 2030, Pluto will go back around again to the place that it was in
1: 1782. I... Love space, but I also love news. So, we should probably get to some stories from this week. Pretty big ass thing that happened this week, though. Uh, the World Cup finally came to a close, man. I, and I remember at the beginning of this whole tournament when we saw Argentina lose to Saudi Arabia, we were like, oh man, like what's going on? You know, could, is there a chance that Lionel Messi doesn't even make it out of the first group stage of World
0: Cup Iranians running around and they're like, where's Messi? Do you remember no. that? No. No, <laughs> they were like crashing interviews of like international really? like reporters and they would come in and They there. Hold on one second. What's one second. Where's
1: Where's messy? <laughs> they would just <laughs> run away. Damn, that's crazy. I forgot about that. Yeah. So yeah, uh, on Sunday, Argentina defeated France in Maybe one of the best soccer Slash football games I've ever seen in my life at the end of it at least the first 75 minutes Wasn't anything too crazy just to, to preach home about Snoozefest. Argentina. Yeah, Argentina controlled the pace France looked like shit, and Argentina was up 2-0. And I think it was like the 75th minute or right around there. Um, Mbappe got a penalty kick, put it into the goal, gave France some life, and about 90 seconds later, including celebration time, Mbappe put in another just beautiful scissor kick volley out of the air, um, made it 2-2, sent it to extra time, something that's very rare. Both teams scored an extra time, uh, which sent it to penalties, and uh, in penalties, Argentina took it won the first World Cup since, I think, 50, 60 years for them, since I think it was like Maradona played for them. And uh, Lionel Messi gets his first World Cup, and I think, in my opinion, cements in the history books, or however you want to look at it, that he is the best of all time, or at least better than Cristiano Ronaldo. There's been a lot of debate who's better than who, and I think this kind of seals it, because Cristiano's never even been to. I think even the semifinal, let alone a final, and he's definitely never won one. So I think this kind of gives Messi the edge is he's won pretty much every trophy you can win in the sport. So congratulations to him, Argentina. They were welcome home uh, yesterday with like a huge parade and people going crazy and look like yeah. a party.
0: yeah, heroes welcome. This was a, a shot from the celebration in Argentina.
1: Oh, wow. For the listeners, it just looks like the biggest music festival everywhere. There's people all in the streets and all through a park. That's messy, actually. It looked like Maradona. Wow, dude. That's so many people. Oh, my God. Wow. It's just a drone video, and there's just... I would bet 100,000 people on that, bitch. Easy. Wow.
0: Yeah, you think it means something to them? Yeah, I would say so, man. Cheese and rice, dude. That's
1: crazy. I don't know if you'd see that in, like, a New Yorkie. Like, we'd be pumped we won the World Cup. I don't think you'd see that. That looks that looks like yeah. no championship parade I've ever even seen. It, it it looks like an entire nation has spilled onto the street here. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah, That's pretty damn cool. Good for them. Good for, them. Yeah, Good for them. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, Congrats that's to Argentina. Argentina. I don't know much about soccer, so I, I can't speak to anybody's legacy
1: within the sport. You do know a lot about betting, though. I know you're quite familiar there, and did you hear about the gentleman, I think, from New York that had the seven parlay bet? Uh, he picked correctly the champions of like the last six sporting events. So he picked like the NBA finals, the world series, he picked all these. So, and his final leg of his parlay was France to win the world cup. So throughout this world cup, as it's gone on and gone on, you know, he basically, he bet $26 and if France won the world cup, that parlay would close and he would win. I think it was like almost $600,000. So, you know, as this world cup keeps going on and on, he's not, he's holding, he's holding that, that company, like as they do, Try to like buy the bet back, so they don't have. They can do like the lower payout. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Uh huh. And basically, it got to this World Cup final, and right before the final, he was offered two hundred and eighty three thousand dollars to sell, uh, and he did it. He so, did, yeah, because if if he wouldn't have, he would have lost the whole bet, and he would have lost yeah, all but his you money. You don't know that. Yeah, you know no, you don't know it. it. Going into it, so, so I, I think really, it was, he bitched out. <laughs> he did bitch out, but it was a smart bitch out because he yeah, walked away well, with two eighty three hindsight's twenty twenty. What would, yeah. he, what would he have won? He would have won, uh, it was just shy of 600k off a $26 bet. Uh, no, I know. Dude, how do you pick six champions correct, man? Like, sports are crazy. Like, you always have a favorite and all this other shit, but, like, anything can happen. And it's like, to pick six champions and then bitch out on the seventh is crazy yeah. to me. Like, I would trust my gut there, um, but I would probably would have been kicking myself in the fucking face if if, you know, I wouldn't have. And then France lost, so... Good for him, you know, Rich you know, that's a lot of money to be walking away with off $26 bet, so congratulations. Yeah, dude, absolutely. In the money sphere, Mr. Wonderful was testifying in front of, I believe it was Congress last week. He's a longtime FTX spokesman, and he kind of had some thoughts about what went down with FTX and, and what happened, and he, he's bringing in that their, their chief competitor, Binance, might have sabotaged them, and um, when he was being interviewed, this week uh, he he put it really well like he described it really well so i'm going to play this clip for you guys just to kind of see his perspective now keep in mind that this guy is a i mean he's he's on shark tank he is an actor um he had he lost i think over 9 million dollars with this whole ftx thing going down so this man's trying to get his money back obviously so i mean he could be embellishing some things here or maybe not telling the whole truth but what what it's looking like more and more is that Sam Bankman fried was a moron and sold some of his company off to his competitor is what it looks like. So here, I'll, I'll let O'Leary explain it a little bit better than I can.
3: Why do you believe FTX failed? I have an opinion. I don't have the records. Here it is. After my accounts were stripped of all of their assets and all of the accounting and trade information, I couldn't get answers from any of the executives in the firm. So I simply called Sam Bankman fried and said, where is the money, Sam? He said he had been refused access to the servers. He no longer knew. I said, okay, let's step back. This is a simple case in my mind of where did the money go? And I said, Sam, walk me back 24 months. Tell me the use of proceeds of the assets of your company. Where did you spend it? And then he told me about a transaction that occurred over the last 24 months, the repurchase of his shares from Binance, his competitor. I didn't know this at the time, but at some point, CZ or Binance, who runs Binance, purchased 20% ownership in Sam Bankman-Fried's firm for seed stock. And then over time, and I asked him, what would compel you to spend 2 billion was the number he was giving me at that time. Later in a subsequent conversation, about 24 hours later, he told me it could have been as much as $3 billion to buy back the shares from CZ. I asked him, what would compel you to do that? Why wouldn't you keep your assets on your balance sheet and why would you offer this to just one shareholder? He said, because every time we went to get licensed in different jurisdictions, because you must understand the prize of crypto is to get regulated. For all the talk we say about Bitcoin and everything else, no institutions own this. I work for the sovereign wealth and pension plans. They don't touch this stuff because it's unregulated. Between these two, let's call them, frenemies, because they obviously were the two, potentially the two largest shareholders in the firm, they had a disagreement. They had a falling apart. Apparently, according to Sam Bankman-Fried, CZ would not comply with the regulators' request in these different geographies, these different jurisdictions, to provide the data that would clear them for a license. He withheld it, according to Sam Bankman-Fried. The only option the management and Sam Bankman-Fried had was to buy him out at an extraordinary valuation of close to 32 billion less apparently a 15% discount. That stripped the balance sheet of assets. You ask me why it went bankrupt go to the last week. All of a sudden in social media CZ is asking for another 500 million dollars he wants to do a block trade of FTT or the the proprietary token of FTX, wants it converted back to fiat. Why would you put that out there? You know it's going to push down the pressure, it's going to push down the value of that coin dramatically and that's exactly what happened. Every trader knows if you have a large block trade, you go negotiate a clearing price with other buyers and you do the transaction in my view my personal opinion these two behemoths that own the unregulated market together and grew these incredible businesses in terms of growth were at war with each other and one put the other out of business intentionally now maybe there's nothing wrong with that maybe there's nothing wrong with love and war but finance is a massive unregulated global monopoly now They put FTX out of business now lots of other reasons I'm sure but that's my personal opinion that is what Sam Bankman fried told me in terms of where the assets went. Why should we care single reason I'm a shareholder. You tell me the two largest shareholders do a transaction together that's a related party transaction. I'm not sure that's okay. Maybe I want a off clawback on those proceeds.
1: So pretty interesting to get some insider info from someone who lost close to $10 million from it, you know? Yeah, so he's he's been extradited, or he's going to cooperate with extradition.
0: And, you know, this hopefully will all come out. He made a good point at the end there. If it was their legal right to do what they did, Binance, then they had leverage that they exercised. And maybe this was like the nail in the coffin, but it sounds like what happened was Binance had the opportunity to not stomp on the The necks of FTX, and they chose to exercise that option anyway, and they killed them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what do you expect when you give that much leverage to another firm that you're competing with? Also, right. if you've decided to make really, really, really highly skeptical plays with other people's money within your business, then I can't listen to that and say, "Oh, this is the reason." But you know, it's it's is it shady? Yeah, probably a little bit, but but certainly, you know. I think this is this is more backstory and 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 you know if 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 I'm this guy yeah I'm trying to I'm trying to recover my 10 million yeah. for sure
1: so then I saw another interview following this one that was interviewing CZ the guy that runs Binance, and they were they were pressing him hard to be like if there is a made-off clause here and they are trying to get this money back are you that liquid like can you could you provide that and he would not answer the question he just kept saying like mm-hmm. well let the lawyers handle it we're very we're in a great position but we'll let the lawyers handle that one so like to me it's like okay well what if finance went and did something crazy with that money like where does this yeah. money where did it go and it's like these people are never going to get their money back D- uh, that's probably true yeah
0: and i think the most true thing out of all of this is that this is still the riskiest play if you are deciding to invest mm-hmm. and like like he said there it's not regulated so it you're you know yeah. It, it's massive and and
1: there's value in it if you can see it but it's completely unprotected so when, when they say regulated what do they what do they mean there is is that like in your money's insured like when you would put it into a bank is that kind of what they're saying by regulated
0: regulated means that it's scrutinized by the federal government and that there are laws in place and protections in place on how you can and cannot handle this money gotcha so it's it, it, it puts a, it puts like uh bumpers up so that you don't go into the gutter mm. but because crypto is not fiat money right fiat money basically means funny money it's money that's regulated by the government with which you're doing business in this in our in our case it would be the u.s dollar right that's our fiat money it's backed by technically the gold standard but it really is backed by the full faith and confidence of the united states government and so is the peso in mexico and um and the canadian dollar in canada and what have you so those are regulated currencies because you can track them. You know exactly where they're going at, at all times. You can track crypto, but you can't regulate it because it's not within the bounds of a country. Mm-hmm. And so what he was saying there, the golden goose, what you're trying to do is get regulated because that means that you have protections. That means that people have to play within certain rules and bounds within this currency. And that means people are more willing to invest and use your currency your token your whatever it is and so that's what he was talking about there so uh, that's the moral of the story it's risky it's all get out and it's been that way forever and You can't play dumb, especially if you're this guy. You put your, I mean, come on, man. If you're Mr. Wonderful and, and I I don't know, maybe he, maybe he, obviously he knows this guy Bankman Freed and
1: maybe he has a different relationship with him, but like on the surface, this guy just looks like a complete fuckhead. Yeah. I mean, other people too, Tom Brady and Giselle put in like millions and millions, you know, like, but I mean, if someone like this guy, Mr. Wonderful, like he's, he's business savvy and I mean, same with like Mark Cuban, they're accepting crypto for certain crypto for tickets and shit like this, like... These people have bought into this so like there must have been something that drew them you know like it it felt safe to them at some point but now like i feel like we're seeing crypto like crumble like i think bitcoin was up at like 63k at one point and shit the last time i checked bitcoin was down in in the 20s i'll tell you what it is right now bitcoin as of this morning
0: 16 something
1: yeah as of this morning it's down to 16,833 so people like odell beckham who took their contract in bitcoin lost buku money so much money he took that yeah. contract when it was up at 60 and that his contract now is worth or you know that contract he signed i know he's a free agent and everything but you know is worth less than a third of what he signed for and but he has to pay taxes on the evaluation of the day he signed the contract so he literally is going to lose money on the contract yeah yeah, it's just it's risky, man. That's I that's haven't touched risk. it too much, man. I, I, hundred percent risk. Dogecoin got me interested, but I just kind of I kind of bowed out. I put a little bit of money in Bitcoin because I think it's it's like the most stable of them. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of just trying to get away from it at this point as this continues to happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, a great lesson here. Great lesson. Basically, everything that's gone on in the United States for the past five or six years, and this all really boils down to the Federal Reserve keeping interest rates at near 0% for 12 years, Mm. right? And the culmination of that was a really, really, really good American economy with jobs and innovation and investment, everything flourishing, going into 2020, all of that coming to a halt and the federal government pumping giant sums of money into an already roaring economy that happened to be shut down for a reason that is not economical at all and so what you have then is this big giant flood pool of cash just Mm -hmm. just sit fucking giant pool of cash and that's how something like dogecoin can can go up but rising tides raise all ships and so all of this inflated big giant inflation big giant inflation big giant inflation and that bubble has to burst because it's not based on anything substantial and that's what we're saying here is all of that crumbling down mm-hmm. unfortunately and I'm I am no economist but I'm uh, if I'm just looking at very general trends and what the federal reserve is continuing to do which is raise interest rates I see this economic downturn and people mm-hmm. losing more large sums of money increasing or staying constant in that for probably like another year maybe two. Mm-hmm. I don't I think it, it will get worse before it gets better. I don't I do not think that we're that we're out of it and and I expect to hear more stories like this one of attacks where where they have been supported by hype and hot air and just basically
1: bullshit. I'm really interested to once these presidential debates and everything start to kind of hear Biden or whoever it is, whoever is representing the Democrats, like kind of defend what the fuck has gone on with our economy the last two to four years. Like by by that time, you know, because I, I can't see us being in a much better place and within a year. Or so like you're saying, I think more of this shit's gonna keep happening, and it's like someone is some got to be accountable for that. You know what I mean? And and inflation's the highest it's ever been. We're giving away shit ton of money to a you know to ukraine and, and other countries it's it's just someone's got to answer for that that shit show that's going on there man And with I, blood they have to answer with blood
0: <laughs> um that
2: the FBI, twitter honestly.
0: files yeah have been have been continuing on um i i've read a majority of them won't go over much of it again here we we the last time you and i recorded we went over it pretty deeply it goes along that same Trend, right? They talked about the decision to actually ban Donald Trump from the from the uh, from the platform, and then kind of subsequent things that went on within Twitter, between Twitter and mostly the intelligence community, FBI, CIA, things like that. Mm -hmm. One thing that a theme that I've tried to portray over the course of this show is that there's nothing new under the sun. When the pandemic hit, everyone thought, "Oh, this is new and novel, and we've never gone through this before." quarantine is something that was thought up in like the 1600s when ships would come into port in italy and it meant 40 days you had to stay on the ship for 40 days before you can get on land Hmm. nothing new under the sun just in scale so i wanted to show everybody uh some clips from the uh 1970s uh and this is going to be senator frank church And he appeared on NBC's Meet the Press, and he issued a warning about technology perfected by the intelligence community, which could be used by the United States government against its own citizens to create total tyranny.
2: Sound familiar? But let me tell you this. In the need to develop a capacity to know what potential enemies are doing, the United States government has perfected a technological capability that enables us to monitor the messages that go through the air. Uh, these messages uh, are between ships at sea. They could be between units, uh, military units in the field. We have a very extensive capability of intercepting messages wherever they may be in the airways. Now, that is necessary and important to the United States as we look abroad at enemies or potential enemy. We must know. At the same time, that capability at any time could be turned around on the American people. And no American would have any privacy left, such as the capability to monitor everything, telephone conversations, telegrams, it doesn't matter. There would be no place to hide if this government ever became a tyranny, if a dictator ever took charge in this country. The technological capacity that the intelligence community has given the government could enable it to impose total tyranny. And there would be no way to fight back because the most careful effort to combine together in resistance to the government, no matter how privately it was done, is within the reach of the government to know. Such is the capability of this technology. Now, why is this investigation important? I'll tell you why. why? Because I don't want to see this you ever go across the bridge. I know the capacity that is there to make tyranny total in America, and we must see to it that this agency and all agencies that possess this technology operate within the law, and under proper supervision, so that we never cross over that abyss. What he was referring to
0: was um, a congressional investigation of the intelligence community uh, by the the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee. And during the investigation, several committee members became aware of the intelligence community's prolific use of journalists in the corporate press. I, I forget if it was this show that we talked about, a former CIA member and their the way that they compelled the narrative in the United States for something like the Vietnam War. Was it Was it this show that we talked about that? I don't know. It kind of sounds vaguely familiar. Go on, though. Yeah, but I mean, it, it was a it was a former CIA member, and he was giving this interview, and he was like saying, like, "Yeah, we use journalists all the time. We would feed them information, right? Some of it consequential, some of it non consequential, but it was still something that would make a story. We'd feed them this information, and then we would feed them bullshit. And we was like, okay, if we needed the American psyche to change on Vietnam, we're going to." Whip up this story, and then we're going to feed it to these journalists. These journalists are going to print it because we're their source. So they're going to print it because we have made their career, essentially. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, Frank Church's uh, investigation in the Senate Intelligence Committee was for that exact thing. Right. The scope of the intelligence community's use of corporate press was downplayed in its final report to avoid the embarrassment of exposing some of, of the most notable uh, journalists and news organizations of the 50s and 60s. It kind of makes you wonder, as these Twitter files come out, is the CIA and the FBI out to protect the American citizen, option one? Option two, is the FBI and the CIA out to make sure that things don't go the way they think they ought not to go, Mm. right? Is there undue influence for the intelligence community to make an impact on, say, an American election? And if so, how deep does that go? And what do we do about it? And it seems as though the direct communication channels between Twitter and the FBI have caused a full, accurate, wholly accurate story about Hunter Biden to be completely wiped off of Twitter and downplayed on Facebook and on on, on all other uh, social media platforms by the direct recommendation of the FBI themselves. And I I have absolutely no political aspirations in, in this conversation at all. I don't care that it was done to hamper Donald Trump. I don't give a fuck about Donald Trump or Joe Biden in this particular scenario. The question that I really want answered is, what do we do now that we know that the FBI will go to these lengths to alter an election Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah here's another clip of the same senator frank church i forget who he's talking to here but he's asking them directly if that if there is somebody being paid by the cia and corporate media
2: i thought that it was a matter of real concern that planted stories intended to serve a national purpose abroad um came home and were circulated here And believed here because um, this would mean that the CIA could manipulate the news in the United States by channeling it through some foreign country and we're looking at that very carefully
3: do you have any people being paid by the CIA who are contributing to a major circulation American journal we do have people who submit pieces two other two american journals do you have any people paid by the cia who are working for television networks this i think gets into the kind of uh, getting into the details mr chairman that i'd like to get into an executive session
0: hmm. what he's really saying is yes we do but we can't say that here out loud publicly <laughs> yeah, all
3: right. Right.
0: so oh, if this is going on in 1975, and it's going on in 2022, then we know that it doesn't change, and that it will continue to happen. I think the difference is that I, I don't think that we have anybody, and maybe, maybe we do, maybe we don't. I don't think we have anybody in a democratically held Congress that is willing to take what we've seen from these Twitter files, see the detriment in what has happened between Twitter, and the intelligence community and then hold hearings to talk about and and get questions answered about the relationship between the intelligence communities and Twitter, and maybe to put some impositions on these relationships so that when the people are merely communicating with each other and putting out information to each other, have the ability to then determine whether or not this information is valid or invalid without any help, from Or influence from the intelligence community saying, no, you should believe this or you should believe that because this is what we are telling you to believe. There, there, There isn't or at least there should not be any faith in these intelligence communities when it comes to their recommendation on what is true and what is not true. Because they have lied to us continually over the years it may, it seems as though there's more information out right now that leads to the CIA's direct involvement into the murder of John F Kennedy i have not gone through those documents yet i've not read up on them can
1: we please it next it seems
0: as though that that connection is a little bit more clear and but but it it would come to it as a shock to nobody right as it came to it as a shock to nobody that twitter was communicating directly with the FBI in in, in talking about election interference. It's not a shock to anybody, but when it comes out and the the smoking gun is right there and it's, it's, yes, we have done this. These are the things that we've talked about. These are the things that that happened as a consequence of our direct involvement with the intelligence communities as a social media platform. Okay, great. Now there's absolutely no denying it ever. It's out there in the open. What are we going to do about it? My cynical brain says nothing. Yeah. My very cynical brain says That a democratically held government certainly does nothing with it. Mm -hmm. Why is that? I don't know. I don't want to get into it, but that's what it would seem. And there's nothing new under the sun, man. All of this stuff is, is in some way,
1: shape, or form happened perspective- is key here. I don't know. Do you have a solution? Do you have a recommendation? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we gotta hold the people accountable that are doing this, but I, I know that's not going to happen, especially in the as the government is run now. You know, I mean, it, it's the government is basically run, in my opinion, by like corporations. All this information would be bad for all the corporations for the government. Like this would could be a, a crumbling of our government if like we really dove into this. So my my guess is, like you said, most likely nothing will come with this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, so if I could provide a recommendation we present these stories about the government about intelligence communities and about their odd relationship with companies like twitter you and i are not employees of twitter we're certainly not employed by the intelligence communities and if you are sir well done your fucking crackerjack job awesome they should hire people more like you, you. um but we we have what little control we have in our day-to-day lives where we can make our world better, therefore making the world better. You are raising a son. And I think that that's a very overlooked commitment in today's day and age. You're mm. gainfully employed. Again, a very overlooked statistic, especially for men aged 25 to 54 in the United States. And I bring this up because there's a, a gentleman by the name of Nicholas Eberstadt. He's an economist. And he surmises that there are 7 million working aged males, and these are males aged 25 to 54 in the United States that are not working. The very first class I took in, in my MBA program was economics. And it was with a professor by the name of Lynn Reeser, who was the former head economist of Bank of America. She knows all the major economists in the Biden White House, she's very well connected. And she would teach us all the basics about you know, economics. And then she would stand up there and she would opine on the day, right? What's going on in America and what she thinks is a problem? The very first thing that she told us was that the biggest problem in America is that working age males are not working. Fast forward five years, it seems to be still a giant problem. But the question is, what are they doing, right? What do you think they're doing?
1: Smoking drugs and playing video games. Playing Call of Duty stoned.
0: Absolutely. So <laughs> I'm like, like, yeah. They're not volunteering, right? Yeah. They're not worshiping. They're not helping the elderly, they actually report 2,000 hours of screen time Mm -hmm. in a year, add drugs onto that. And now you have a a phenomenon, right? Eberstadt argues that labor supply was suppressed by pandemic insurance. The unconditional $600 a week and later $300 a week in quote, unemployment benefit included 17 million people who were not technically unemployed. Returns to work increased when the $300 a week uh, pandemic unemployment benefits were shut off shocker people went back to work but they have not returned to the 2019 levels not even a little bit they're below 2015 levels so quick look uh it's older americans who have seriously dropped out of the labor force and these are people over 55 but the u.s is an outlier in this phenomenon right you would say okay this happens in the united states but the pandemic hit the globe so other countries will have this problem where younger working age males don't go back to work is not true. Um, the United States is by far in the, in, in, in the worst shape. I think the only cu- country that comes close to us is Italy right now. Italy and it looks like Denmark, maybe. And we have plummeted, especially since the 2008 recession. The employment rate in 2005, the labor participation rate for this age group was 91%. And today it's at 87% you might think, okay, 87%, that's not, that's shockingly low, shockingly low, especially as we are the world's largest economy. If we can't get these men to work, then I think what that spells is kind of disaster down the road because it sets a trend. We have a strong labor market, right? There's jobs to be had. Um, A flexible labor market, there's jobs to be had where you don't have to go to work if you possess the skills to do the job at home. Yet, dropping out, seems to be the biggest trend within these uh, within these working-age males. And I think something that has to do with that, and this is what Lynn Reeser had had offered as her explanation when she first brought this problem up, was uh, drug use, mm-hmm. was the opioid epidemic, that the working-age males from 25 to 54 are not participating in their own lives. They've dropped out completely to the point where they don't care and they're just dying on the street. So the most logical explanation to how you fix this would be something like universal basic income, right? It was an idea that I used to be very warm to. And the, the idea is that we give everybody a certain base income that they don't have to worry about, you know, meeting their basic needs like rent and food and what have you. But it's pretty clear that people, when given, like when they were given these unemployment benefits during the pandemic, chose to do absolutely nothing. And that might just be because the pandemic was out and nobody was doing anything in the first place. But it seems as though if you give people money, they're not gonna go volunteer and they're not gonna go plant a community garden, right? Chances are, especially if you are a man between 25 and 54, you are going to get high and you are going to play video games. And that is exactly what we have been seeing in the past two or three years. Well, I'm part of the problem. That's all I have about that. I'm part of the problem. Yeah, but you are not a part of the problem. I (laughs) want to make this very clear because you have a job and you are participating in your own life. And I'm a large fan of...
1: Smoking drugs, particularly marijuana, and Call of Duty. So, uh huh. That's perfect. You 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 should enjoy those things if that is what you choose to enjoy. But what if indirectly the people I'm playing Call of Duty with, I'm creating this problem because I'm hitting them up. What if they're jobless? I'm hitting them up to play. Are, are you saying that there aren't enough people like you that you
0: could also engage in video game play with? I play video games. That's true. No, yeah, no, you're right.
1: You're right. Okay. There's no blame to be had for me. Then I'm good. That's right. You're oh. exonerated.
0: Um, <laughs> it's just it's
1: just something to track because yeah, that's true. You know,
0: I I think if you draw this out and you and you play this out, and say, okay, this this trend continues. Then what happens? Not only is the job market affected, but families are affected. Yeah. Because right. you're not either you're creating families and you're not participating in them, or you're not creating families at all, and so. You're not working, you're not, you're, you're not making babies, and you're a drain on the system. Mm-hmm. Multiply that by however many people, and then you have a serious toxic sludge just weighing down the entire nation. And I don't know, man. That To me, that is the single most important question in a place like San Diego or Los Angeles, where there's a very, very high rate of homelessness. Yeah. And it's always about housing. It's always about, oh, they can't afford housing Or we need to build housing so these people can be sheltered. No. If you build the homeless, and, and when I say the homeless, I am absolutely talking about drugged out homeless people, people who are absolutely completely off their rocker. If you build them shelter, it will just provide a place for them to go and continue their downward spiral and they'll be dry. Basically, is, is what the solution there is. The question that needs to be answered, and the one that I think is the toughest thing to answer, how do you get somebody to participate in their life? Especially somebody who has been taking drugs for so long that they're completely numbed out to everything that their life is. And that in order for them to participate in their life, they would actually have to face the life that they are choosing to ignore, which is so painful. As anybody knows, if you have to face something that you're shamed about in your life, and you can just go numb it out every single day, and that's what you've been doing for weeks or months or years, how do you get those people to then participate in their own lives without some sort of Puritan revolution?
1: Yeah. I, true. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Got no answer for you there. That's the $5 billion question right there. Handmaid's Tale type shit. We need Gilead. <laughs> I mean, think about it. What else, what else would be effective <sighs> than some giant
0: um islamist revolution type of event to make that happen to right right reign in control and force upon the people a certain ideological whatever you mentioned it a couple months ago when we were talking about china and you were like i don't agree with it but is a communist dictatorship the most effective way to get people to do what you want and the answer
1: is yes yeah right it is the most effective way it works yeah it works. It causes a lot of death, but it works. So yeah, fear of death is a really good way to control people. It really is. All right, real quick before we get out of here, let's do our uh, week. What is it? Sixteen picks last week actually with our uh, friends from Line and the Cub. We went ten and six with our picks. So I'm pretty proud of that. That's pretty damn good. This week, let's go through quick. I'm just going to take your picks. That way we don't, you know, we can get out of here in a timely matter. Thursday's game: Jaguars, Jets, and the Jags are favored by one and a half. Yeah. Let's go Jags. Feels you. They're on a hot streak. Jets are not looking great. Uh, going into the Saturday games at one o'clock, we got Bills at the Bears. Bills are favored by eight and a half points. Yeah, uh, Bills. Uh, next game there, Saints at Browns. Browns are favored by three points. Yep, I'll take the Browns. Uh, then we got Texans at Titans. Titans are favored by seven points, but the Texans have been hanging. Yeah, give me the Texans the last couple of weeks, man. Yeah. I, I, they've surprised me. They're a football team. It looks like get a quarterback seven points is way too much yeah give yeah me that. uh Seahawks at Chiefs the Chiefs are a nine and a half point favorite yeah it's way too many um
0: Seahawks are 500 but they actually play good football it's going to be 15 degrees in Arrowhead Stadium give me the nine and a half
1: points and I'll take that's what I was going to say man plus the Seahawks need the win to keep their playoff hopes alive Chiefs have already you know they've already got their spot they already won the division so they're you know I yeah. feel like that's a it's a good call. They'll probably have their foot off the gas. Uh, Giants at Vikings. Vikings are favored by three and a half points. Mm, Vikings. Vikings. Take like the Vikings. It. Like it. Yeah, I haven't seen much from the Giants in a little while here. Um, Bengals at Patriots. Bengals are a three and a half point favorite. Tragic loss for New England this week. Uh, Patriots at home. I'll take the points. Give me the Patriots. Right.
0: Lions at the Panthers. Lions are a two and a half point favorite. I take the Lions at five. I. I have no explanation for the Lions right now, other than they're, football just, they're, they're winning football games. Uh, and right. I think they beat the piss out of the Panthers. So
1: Hell yeah, let's go. Falcons at Ravens. Ravens with seven point favorites. All these games
0: are on Christmas Eve, by the way, um, that we're talking about. I, for fantasy purposes, if you're listening. Um, Falcons at Ravens. Uh, the Ravens are it was way too many points. Falcons. Uh, the Ravens.
1: Same with this next game. Total collapse. Game. Total collapse. Lamar Jackson is gone, I feel yeah. like, at the end of this year. Uh, Commanders at 49ers. Yeah, they're 9-5. and five. That's, anyways. Um, yeah, yeah, you're
0: yeah, right. Commanders at Niners.
1: Uh, Niners uh, are favored by 7.5 points. Nope, too many. Give me Washington. Commanders. Alrighty. Uh, the next game we have is Eagles at Cowboys. This should be an interesting game if Jalen Hurts plays. Cowboys are favored by 6 points right now. Which is wild are you kidding yeah. me yeah. hammer the eagles here hammer them even if jalen doesn't play can't believe that line it seems like a trap to me you know who the quarterback is if jalen doesn't play who gardner Minshew is back baby oh shit he's back no way yeah, um he's the even still even still that's eagles fine. yeah eagles all day okay um raiders at steelers steelers are a two and a half point favorite yeah i'll take the raiders in that one there's a lot of football on Christmas Eve, man. That's crazy. That's most of the games. Yeah. Uh going into Sunday, we got Packers at Dolphins. And there's um, no line available that I'm seeing here. Uh, there's no line for a couple of these games. So maybe I got we just... Miami
0: at, at negative four and a half.
1: Okay. So we can... in Miami. Yeah, why win. not?
0: Dolphins. One in a while.
1: Dolphins spot you the points. Okay. Uh oh. next one I don't have a spread gonna... for either. Broncos at the Rams. Oh my God. What a terrible matchup. It looks like the spread I'm seeing is 0.5 favoring the Rams. I'm
0: seeing a uh to a half, two, two point uh, favorite to to Denver. Um I'll trust what yours has. I guess I don't know, dude. I hate this one.
1: Um Broncos. Broncos, huh? Broncos at at negative two. All right. Uh we got Bucks at Cardinals, Sunday night game. Bucks are favored by four and a half. At four and a half, I'll take the Bucks. I'm seeing six and a half here. I see that too. Yeah, they got both on Fox. I don't know what Fox is doing. Oh, do they? they have four and a half, and then they download, they have six and a half.
0: Um at six and a half, that's a lot. Uh yeah, if I, well, I'll take the Cardinals in this one. That's a lot of points, and the Bucks aren't good.
1: You're sure. Yeah. Cards. And then Monday's game, we have Chargers at the Colts. And I see a four point favorite to the Chargers.
0: Yep, and I'll take it
1: that is all the time we have today folks uh all i can say is merry christmas from the friendship news hour um hope you guys have a great holiday season with your family if it's snowing where you are be safe drive slow you know you get where you're going eventually but you want to get there safe um in the meantime if you guys want to find any of our stuff you can find us on a myriad of social networks where you can find links videos all kinds of stuff frank where is that stuff located
0: on twitter at friendship nh on instagram at friendship news hour and tiktok at friendship news hour and you can send us email bummerdude.media at gmail.com bummerdude.media
3: at gmail.com merry christmas see you next time